Welcome to the Better Clinician Podcast with myself, Ben Cormack, and also Adam Meekins. The Better Clinician Project brings you high-quality education at a ridiculously low price. This podcast will bring you topics that are relevant to modern clinical practice, all done with a bit of fun and humour. Nothing in this podcast constitutes medical advice. So welcome to another Thoughtful Thursday, and this is where Adam and I, um, you know, get questions from the BCPers, finding out what's titillating their taste buds and tantalising their brain stems, what they want to hear us waffle on about, uh, and then we will have a chat and give people unabashed, unapologetic, pure, sheer opinion. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to do. What do you reckon, Adam? Yeah, it's one thing we're good at, mate, is waffling <laughs> and giving biased opinions, mate. I think we 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 win gold medals in that. Oh, I'm sure if they, um, but then again, I think there'd be some pretty stiff competition if that ever got to the Olympics, wouldn't it? Opinionated oh, yeah. debate. <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes an opinion. They're normally their own more than anybody else's. They do. So uh, we've got three questions this week. Thank you to every, uh, this month. Thank you to everyone who uh, supplied us uh, with questions, even though it did take two prods. Although admittedly, I did ask for questions on a Sunday. Yeah, uh, when and it's August, August as well, and everybody's on holiday as well. So. Yeah, and then we had a, a veritable avalanche of um, of questions. So if we didn't cover yours, it's probably because we've covered them before. Are you uh, saying you've cherry picked the best ones, the ones that we can answer? Uh, I would never do that. I would always <laughs> pick the most relevant and, and, and hardest to answer. Now, what, one thing I have done this month is just try to choose uh, some people that we haven't answered their questions before or who haven't asked before, just because I like to give everyone an opportunity, although I always thank those that do ask us regular questions and give us some material and ammunition for our Thoughtful Thursday. Let's dive on into um, it. Enough preamble. Let's go. First question. All right. Bring so first one from Vigliano, um, who is our BCP up from over there in Rome. Or What a uh, name that is. Say that again. Uh, Vigliano. What a name that I've is. I've actually met Vigliano. It's a great name. I actually ran a course at his clinic near Rome in, in, in Anzio, I think 2018. And what a good course it was. Buongiorno, so, Vigiliano. Yeah, buongiorno. So he asks about mixing live treatments with telehealth for chronic syndromes, which I think is really relevant to today's world. So what do you think on making things hybrid, Mr. Meekins? Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful question. And I think it's uh, it's great to discuss it. So, you know, obviously, you know, we had to change a lot of how we practiced during the shit show that was the COVID pandemic, where we had to transfer over completely to more or less 100% telehealth, online, Zoom, whatever you were using to try and help reach people and give them advice and education. And um, we managed quite well. I think a lot of people have sort of had their eyes opened yep. to something that they perhaps haven't even considered using as a way to help and assess and treat people. So I think that is the one of the benefits that's come out of this absolute shit show. Um, so I think, you know, the, the telehealth has had a, a reemergence. It's had a boom 
And quite rightly so, because I think there are some advantages. You know, it allows people to be accessed easily, easy, easy easier, easier. It allows <laughs> I'm struggling with my language today. <laughs> I can imagine all of our international uh, colleagues who speak English much, much better than Adam are going to be like a head in their hands, like, how dare Adam butcher this English language again? Using Google Translate, looking up easily. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we never we weren't taught this shit. <laughs> anyway, where was I? So yeah, um, Zoom consultations, telehealth, it allows people, as I say, to be to be reached easier because obviously they don't have to travel in, they don't have to get on public transport, they don't have to drive in, you don't have to be limited with a uh, demographic area, you're able to, you know, reach and consult yeah. people into wider areas as well, so it allows more options for people to pick and choose different clinicians rather than just the ones where they live locally. So it gives, you know, more options. Um, so, yeah, there's all these benefits to telehealth. There are some downsides. Yeah. And I think, you know, that also has to be recognised as well. I think one of the downsides with telehealth is that it's sometimes a little bit harder to develop a relationship and a connection with somebody. Yeah. I think that it's harder to do from a communication point of view. It can be a bit more awkward than seeing somebody face-to-face. Obviously, you know, you don't pick up on the sort of a non-verbal cues, I think, if you've not got no visual uh, aspect to it. If you're just doing it over the telephone, say, that can be even harder to do. Um, but, you know, the, the, the assessment side of it, you know, you can't touch people. So if you wanted to check sensitivity and poke things and press things, obviously you can't do that with telehealth consultations. But, you know, I do think a hybrid approach is is the way forward. You know, I think very much you can see somebody for a, a first appointment, and then you yeah. can tend to find that the follow-ups could probably be done for some people quite easily yeah. uh, via telehealth. Other people, you might want to see them more face-to-face based on their problems and their presentations and their characteristics as well. Yeah, well, again, it's just about options, isn't it? And I quite like that because I think a lot of the time we approach it as an either-or. So it's like either telehealth or face-to-face. And actually, yeah. the idea of hybrid an initial first appointment, you get to meet someone, you can touch them, you can assess them, you know, properly. Appropriately, of course. Well, yes, Adam, not all touching is inappropriate. This is the problem is Adam's default touching is in an inappropriate approach. <laughs> Whereas most people's is an appropriate approach. Um, so the idea that we could do both, but then it gives us options for following up, for location, for time. Um, I, one thing I do want to add, though, I think sometimes we do talk about the ease of it. Uh, but sometimes, actually, I think, that, you know, the challenge can be a good thing. If we do have persistent pain patients, sometimes getting them out of the house, getting them onto public transport, getting them down to meet people and interacting with people can be a real benefit. So actually, although it's easier in one sense, it may be less beneficial and less challenging in another sense. So, so you know, that can actually be part of the therapy itself is getting to an appointment and, you know, showing that you're capable but I would say in the grand scheme of things, hybridity, and I made that up solidly, hybridity, um, hybridiousness is a, a really beneficial thing that we should explore. We shouldn't see it as a yes or a no. It should be something that we can utilise for different times, different circumstances, and hopefully have the best of both worlds. Good stuff. Good question, Vigiliano. Yeah, Thanks for that absolutely. One. And I think, it, you know, I think that's really pertinent because... It kind of hits on that. You don't, It isn't one or the other. It could be a combination of both. Yeah. And this was really interesting from Martin. Uh, Martin, our resident uh, Norwegian 
um, physio who who, who is our, uh, our beer drinking, vest wearing, tutu wearing, with children that like to perform all sorts of bodily functions on him, from what I can gather. Yeah, Norwegian I, physio. Yeah, the Martins. You know, I like you. Kind of get to know Martin, don't you? He's very, uh, you know, He's generous. The only person who's been on my course twice. Oh, I've only met Martin once actually, but we did share some really, really overpriced beer. Um, all, all Norwegian beers overpriced. I don't care what oh, anyone's. Man. It's the most expensive beer I've ever had in my life. And yes, and and it wasn't that good either. Unfortunately, sorry, Norwegians. Don't want to upset you all, but yeah. it wasn't that. It wasn't. It wasn't worth the price I was paying for it. No, no, it'd have to be pretty special to to be worth that. If price. I'm paying fifteen quid for a pint, I expect it to titillate my taste buds oh. and take me out for dinner afterwards. Yeah, I, I want even more than that. <laughs> take <laughs> me home as well. Yeah, I want it to take me home at the end of the night. Tuck me into bed, and you know, maybe give me a bit of thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, so. Martin has asked, "Why? When do we need physio? Do we need it?" It's quite yeah, a deep so philosophical question, isn't it? It's a very deep and philosophical question. I think I need to get my chaise longue out and recline and look very thoughtfully up at the ceiling as I'm doing it. Um, so I think, I think the, the the I find a lot of people when I talk to them about physiotherapy particularly the physios that have been in it you know for a few years and they're starting to realize that natural history is a thing and perhaps what they were doing isn't quite doing what they thought it was doing they all start to get a little bit despondent and i've felt that i went through this where you feel like you're worthless you're not you're not actually doing anything to help people uh because things are just getting better naturally on our own and i say i think you know yeah recognize that accept that and understand that does happen but you're still helping people get there you're helping them get from point a to point b and that may be part of the natural history so you know i think we do i think people do need support assistance guidance information education to help them through this natural history process so anybody yeah. who's got a pain that's unexplained, that they don't understand, you know, they're not just going to ignore it. Well, they might do for a period of time and it might disappear in that period of time naturally on its own. But if it doesn't go the way they expect or it doesn't disappear how quickly or or, or soon as they think it should do, that starts to stress people out and starts to worry them. So they need to go and see somebody to get some information and advice. And there's there's a service there that physiotherapists provide. So I say to patients when they say, when should I go and see a physio? I always say, whenever you feel like you need some information and answers about your current situation and problems that you've got. It's that simple. Yeah. So look, I I think when do you need physio? When you need physio. Um, So so the point is that I think that, you know, that there are a, a subset of people with back pain, let's say, high levels of pain, but they can cope with it. They have high pain self-efficacy, sometimes too high, actually, in fact. So they've got high pain self-efficacy. They've got a high level of coping. You know, you see these uh, kind of memes or that Dr. Glomo Flecken did one the other day about farmers. It was like, oh, my God, a farmer. What has the farmer said? And he said, oh, I've got a bit of mild pain. And like Glomo Flecken was like, get him into A&E right now. Um, <laughs> you know, there are these. Lev- there are some people that, that are copers. Right. And they have their own coping mechanisms. Do they need to go and see a physio? No. Why would they? If they can deal with it, they can handle it. They can cope with it. Then, you know, it doesn't stress them. It doesn't worry them, you know, abnormally or whatever. Then brilliant. Why would you need to see a physio? 
You know, could a little rub or whatever help a little bit with the pain? Is that any more than taking a few ibuprofen? You know, that could be argued, couldn't it? But are there people out there that, you know, are worried, are stressed, don't cope very well, need some input and, you know, need to make sense of their problem, need some good advice, read loads of conflicting shit on the Internet, need to make sense of this. So you could say, do do they do those people need some kind of input, whether it's physio, chiro, osteo, doctor? I would say yes, if it's going to help them cope with the problem better. The problem is, is that physio is synonymous with treatment. Um, whereas actually it should be more synonymous with support and understanding than it should be with treatment and how do I reduce this pain? Um, because, you know, as we talked about, as Adam talked about there, natural history is probably our strongest resolver of all problems. Yeah, no, I think the key point here is, you know, people will need physiotherapy based on their personal traits rather than their pathology. So I think there's oh, nice. a common, yeah, common... Like yeah. A common theme is that, you know, if you get an Achilles tendinopathy, you've got to go and see a physio because you've got this pathology that responds well to physiotherapy treatment. But I, I think which, which one was that? Which treatment was that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, <laughs> the eccentric loading protocol. Yeah, yeah. But when you find that treatment, just let me know. <laughs> so there's this often, as you said, you know, this this belief that, you know, if you've got this specific pathology, you go and see the physios. And you see doctors writing this out, you know, oh, you've got this pathology, physios yeah, look yeah. after that. They'll treat you. Yeah, they'll treat you. But I actually think, you know, it's not the pathology that dictates whether somebody needs physiotherapy. It's their personal traits of the person as to whether yep. they need information, help, support, guidance, and some ideas of what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So when do people need physio when they need it? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, and even the same person may exhibit different coping strategies or needs at different points in their life. You know, yeah, again, I find people that have, yeah, you know, those those copers that, you know, have been high self-efficacy carrying on, that they still come in at some point, you know, if it's been going on, you know. They, resolved? Exactly right. You know, they'll still cope for a period of time, but if it doesn't fit in their, you know, beliefs or expectations of when it should have resolved by, they'll eventually go and see somebody. Yeah. So, you know, that you still see copers in, in physio clinics. It's not, yeah, it's not well, only that's people. because it's not a binary, is it? That the, the idea that, you know, as I said, I think diet coping is a dynamic construct. Yeah, yeah. If life is great, I have a little ache and a pain, I probably cope really well. And, you know, I have good coping mechanisms. But life isn't so great, bad, you know, job situation, you know, kids got ill, you know, my wife has left me, whatever. Suddenly my, my bandwidth for coping reduces. Yeah. Uh, and so the, this is a, you know, this is part of my problem with this idea of coping and, and how we classify coping that, I think coping is a bit of a dynamic construct, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's also, you know, dependent on, as you said, many different factors changing a lot. And um, I also think, you know, it's, there's this belief that when somebody is fear avoidant and they're, they're not, you know, coping well, that they're somehow easier to manage than the copers who are still persevering and pushing through it. And I, and I think that's absolute nonsense as well. I think, you know, sometimes it can be just as challenging to, to you know, navigate the communication and the, oh. the approach that you have with somebody that is you know, a coper with their conditions, because often you're having these conversations that are sometimes just as awkward and difficult to say with somebody to stop doing things and but change they, their behaviours. They they have strategies, but are they coping? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you could. But what I think we exhibit both ends of the spectrum is a psychological inflexibility. And I think often these people that we regard as too strong, you know, or, or, or copers, 
I think that they are, you know, as psychologically inflexible as uh, to continue doing these things that they think are going to help are the right things to do um, as much as these people that avoid. So at the heart of it, two ends of the same spectrum is uh, psychological inflexibility for me anyway. So but uh, what a great deep question. And we come back to the point of, yes, uh, David has come out. Um, we uh, we think of you know this idea of do we need physio? David or... wasn't the thinker. We've had this discussion. Have before, we? Mate. Who no, was he? Michelangelo did David. He's the he's the very oh, right, he's the whatever. good looking one with the willy hanging out. Rodan did the thinker. Fucking hell, BCP is we really have touched on a moment where we are. Adam is educating <laughs> us about the uh, about the Florentine. <laughs> I know my statues. <laughs> God damn it! Okay, Rodan. <laughs> Did or Rodin did the uh, did the thinker? I'd love this if people were to say Angelo did David. What what do you and Adam talk about when you go out for a beer? Well, Adam's favourite topic is uh, classical architecture and statues. Yes, pre-Raphaelite, <laughs> pre-Raphaelite sculpture uh, driven but through Florentine Italy, uh, which it's is because I swear well. now and again doesn't mean I'm not educated and cultured. I have you know, it's oh. a common fallacy and misconception. People who use bad language are lower educated. There's absolute fucking bollocks. How dare you? Exactly. We are seeing you are seeing a new side to Adam Meekins, this uh, culturally advanced uh, thinker. Right. Anyway, last one. We're going to talk about the, this is from Stefan Rasmussen. Um, I'm I, Rasmussen would tell oh, he is from Denmark. Um, as strong Rasmussen as well. tend to be. It's a Viking name, that one. Yes. You can imagine him, yeah, sticking a sword into me in 10th century battlefield. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thank you, sir. Thank you for using your strong Viking sword in my village. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I've actually, ah, here we go. I've got it back. But good, nice uh, for, uh, um, actually, he's from Odense, but I found out that I say that really, really badly. Uh, I was with a friend of mine at a conference recently. It's Udensa. Okay, bit like Nijmegen. Nijmegen. Nijmegen, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, so uh, Udensa, which is southern Denmark, as I recall. That's um, one thing you can guarantee the British do very well is uh, absolutely butcher. obliterate pronunciations of yeah, foreign exactly. names. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take me to Odense. <laughs> You'd have a nice J- a Danish person say, excuse me, so where? <laughs> Where it should be Udensa. Right. Uh, Question. Get on with it. Right. Anyway, so he's asking about pain education. And so the question was, should we do it as a separate session? Should it be sprinkled in along exercise therapy? How much? When should you do it? What do you say? He's, I mean, look, Stefan has gone the whole nine yards here. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole episode all in itself. That's in fact, that's probably about six episodes. Give us a little, a little whistle stop tour then, Adam, about your, um, your approach to pain education well it's it's flexible well, patient it's education great. sorry not pain education patient education telling people or educating people or informing people about pain is very flexible based on the person and their pain so sometimes it's in-depth it's complicated it's long-winded other times it's short sharp simple and done and dusted within 30 seconds can we, although I do want to separate, uh, Stefan has specified patient education, not specifically pain education. Oh, so okay. we All should right. separate the idea of they are synonymous, which I know you you don't think, but I just wanted to point that out. 
Okay. Well, yeah, informing people about their symptoms, about why they've got their pain, their disability, their their pathology or whatever, as I said, it is, is highly flexible based on various different things. Yeah. So, you know, there are times where I am sitting down sometimes with people and we are having, you know, talks and discussions that can last 5, 10, 15 minutes where there's, they've got, you know, 103 questions that they want to ask about this. They want to find out about the neurophysiology. They want to know about the, the cellular mechanics of what's going on inside a tendon, about why they've got it and what may be going on there. And then there's others that don't, that don't give a toss. They just want a simple analogy or abbreviated bridged version of it. And it can be done and dusted within, you know, a couple of minutes. I do find a lot of the time, though, when you're talking to people or informing people about anything, I do think repetition is the key to trying to get people to help, you know, understand it and perhaps remember it as well. So I do like that idea of sprinkling it regularly throughout your visits. So I don't tend to find that I just do it all in one go and then never approach it ever again so again it is dependent on the person but you know i like to you know sometimes yeah have those conversations and discussions you know on follow-up appointments as well and just revisit things that we've discussed previously before to just try and help make sure they are fully embedded and remembered yeah look i mean i think that we have to think that education is about flexibility for me so you have different people, different length of attention spans, different educational educational levels, you know, different needs and aims and desires. Um, and, and I find it quite hard sometimes to, to, to give simple advice. I mean, I probably would say things like less is more and maybe, you know, a little bit more educational snacks rather than, a you know, a, a lesson like you got at secondary school. Um, but I do think that what you have to be is dynamic. So, so being able to change, you know, if you are telling someone something and their eyes are glazing over and they're like looking around the room or being like mine are at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Then you probably, you're, you are hanging off my every word, me kids. Um, then I think always, you, all the time, always, always, it's like liquid gold spilling from my tongue. Um, I, I think that we have to be dynamic in the way that we are adaptable and ready to change based on questions that we get that based on the, you know, the feedback that we get, verbal, non-verbal, and just based off that current person's state. So if I have someone come in 10 out of 10 pain, attention span is very low, you know, that the, the type of person you ask to lie on their back and they're a bit confused and they lie on their other back. Um, and, 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 you know, actually I could think, well, this person's a bit stupid. Or I could say to myself, well, actually, maybe their attention, well, you could do, couldn't you? Or you could say their attention span is probably a little bit less because they're out here, you know, in 10 out of 10 pain, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think we have to be dynamic with it. Generally, I try to, um, you know, sprinkle it in rather than give a big lesson. I think a little bit less is a little bit more. But find out what people want to know is my golden yeah. tip. That's exactly what I was about to yeah. say as well, yeah. Yeah, because if you, if you give people a load of information and hope that it sticks, like pain education – Here's enough information. Hopefully something sticks. Maybe we can avoid that by saying, you know, what's concerning you today? What would you like to know more about? What do you feel is, is not, hasn't been well explained to you? I think we can be a little bit more efficient at doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I often get that with people who have already had a diagnosis given to them by somebody else that they come to see me. I've come to see you because I've got this condition. I've got yeah. this pathology. And often one of my first questions is, is, what do you understand about this? How how do you 
or what do you know about this condition that you've got to try and find out their current baseline? Because there's nothing worse than giving somebody education that they're already fucking aware of that they know yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that can come across as very demeaning and invalidating and pisses people. It pisses me off. Astronomically well, it seems like you're right. Things that yeah. I know. yeah. It's, it sounds like you're reading off the script or, yeah. da, 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 da. you know, yeah. I think it's having the ability to say, let's be as efficient as possible. You know, what do you know about it? What's concerning? What would you like to know? How can I help you? And I think if we can do that, then we're going to be able, hopefully, to benefit. And again, there's that common misunderstanding, I think, nowadays, where people think everybody is misinformed about their condition. Yeah. And that's not always the case as well. No, there are some I might know more than you. <laughs> exactly. There are some people out there, some people that actually teach me a thing or two about yeah. their condition, especially with people that have been living with these things for you know, lifelong conditions for a long time. The classic one was hypermobility syndrome. I've learned more about hypermobility syndrome with people from with hypermobility syndrome. So, you know, because they are normally the ones that, that live with it, that read about it, that do a lot of research on it. Yeah, as well. if someone comes along with, a you know, a, 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 an obscure comorbidity or disease that you haven't really had a lot to do with, and this person's been living with it for 20 years, are they like, how many times have you come across things you don't know about? All the time, mate. all the, all time. the time. Yeah, the patients you... past medical histories. You know, that's yeah. the classic one, and they'll say this weird, wonderful genetic disorder or yeah. something. Yeah, and I'm like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> and then, exactly. and, and you saw, you saw, like, right, tell me a little bit more about that, yeah, and then they exactly. they inform you about it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. it, it might just be it's really not very common, and if you don't know, you one don't... in a million condition or exactly. something. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've got this rare genetic condition, and it's like, okay, well, maybe you need to tell me more about that because I don't know everything about rare genetic conditions <laughs> yeah absolutely so i think that's a great question i think that maybe we need to take more lead from the patient to know more about how to do it yep absolutely so again be flexible in your education and obviously you know engage with the other person don't just do lectures make sure yeah. that it's a two-way conversation and uh, say find out their baseline understanding of knowledge and information and find out what they also want to know and what they don't need to know Absolutely. So there you go. Another, um, another research, uh, not research Wednesday, thoughtful Thursday. We have too many of these taglines, don't we? Um, so another thoughtful Because we do so much work on the BCP. We're either doing something on a Monday, oh. we have Tuesdays off, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, you know, oh. it's, it's non-stop on the BCP. Non-stop. Which is why everybody should join it. The amount of content that we bring. Yeah, but um, thanks to... to Ridiculous. To... And all just for £12 a month. Oh. You'd be fucking crazy not to keep up and join the BC. Exactly. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, so good to have some new people asking some questions. Interesting stuff. Please prepare your questions for the next Thoughtful Thursday. And make sure you've got some good, strong names as well, because yeah. uh, these this month's names were fantastic. Absolutely. And shows the diversity and internationality of the BCP. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Good work. All right. See you later, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to the BCP podcast. If you would like to check out the BCP, please go to www.betterclinicianproject.com. There we have literally hundreds of videos on clinical topics, exercise examples for rehabilitation and research reviews alongside features such as Thoughtful Thursday. And please tune in again.